So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. This week, we give you the best of no baseball in Canada, Derrick Henry signing to a $50 million deal over four years, Top NFL players banding together to blast the NFL over no guidelines pertaining to COVID. The NBA superlative to rookie of the year, MVP of the year, things like that. And what super team may come about from the bubble situation in Orlando. But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex and Mohammed. Go ahead and say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening. And make sure you also subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yes, yes. Press that subscribe. NBA time will be here very soon. But we begin with the NFL. Lots of things to discuss in that world. But first, we start with the sexual assault and verbal abuse of 15 women who've come front about the Washington former Redskins NFL team and kind of spearheading all of this type of discrimination was Dan Snyder, the owner of the franchise. So do you see the situation finally pushing Dan Snyder out of ownership with the Washington franchise? I don't think this is the last straw. I think that the last straw will be him being tied to this sexual harassment. And so far, it doesn't look like he's been tied to it. It's been other higher up employees, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is tied to it. There's a lot of stuff that's under investigation, but if he is tied to the sexual harassment, like he's actually taking part in it, then that's the final straw and everybody's gonna push him out. I completely agree, completely agree. Um. I think he has been at least accused of the verbal abuse and him belittling women in front of other execs and other men. Uh, I think that is one thing he has been so far being blamed or accused of doing. Um, so at least in that uh, right, he has some large discrimination, not to mention the whole issue with the Redskins. Uh, nickname for the franchise and its racial history um, and them not wanting to come off of it at all. Um, but I would say it does not push him out of that spot. It's, it seems to be most times a bigger threshold for, it, it sounds real bad right now, but sexual assault towards f- females. And it depends on the degree of that. So I'm I'm just I just don't fully see that being pushing him out now. If it was something racial because of the climate right now, yes, uh, and it would have to be critical. It would have to be like something pretty big to get him straight up uh, pushed out, and that's mostly due to the money. And yeah, I, unless they were underage, I don't see this pushing him out. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, there's. I mean, if, if there's no ties to this outside of some of his higher employees, which have already been let go or retired, then there's not much that they can really do. Yeah, it is completely on. I, I, it's not going to the NFL is not going to do it. They're not going to pull the trigger, especially before a full invest, investigation happens. And it may be pushed under the rug after the by the time we get to that point. So is there any way they can really have a change in this NFL Washington team's culture of racism, verbal abuse, and sexual assault, especially knowing his history? I think the main way to change all of this is to get rid of the owner (laughs) in a way. You might have a situation like with the Carolina Panthers, how that owner had to in a way, change ownership. Um, the, the team was up for sale not too long ago, and then they have a, a new owner. I forgot his name, Richardson or something like that. But it, it has to be a situation like that 
to change the culture because I think the culture will still exist under the same owner because he still allowed some of these things to go on, which I'm pretty sure he saw. Oh, yeah. I think he was part of it. Um, I think there's a, you know, that sounds even bad. It, it seems even worse when I'm about to say this, but a locker room type culture. And this literally is the NFL, which is that quote unquote locker room type culture means we, uh, being profane, uh, being bolstered, just doing doing and saying pretty much what you feel like um, in a way. But there's a uh, there's some going across lines when it comes to things like that, like assaulting uh, reporters or belittling female staff and things like that. And I think that is what the realms of what these females are really uh, putting out there. And so I would say to answer the question, what can they really do to change that culture? Um, I think they have to somehow replace him with a female owner. And I know that sounds like a oh, knee jerk reaction to take his whole franchise and everything he's worked for to give to a woman just because she's a woman, but it, it just has to happen. And even then you still need to check the validity of uh, that female sensitivity to other females. I think that's a really good step in the right direction, but I don't think there's any way that you can just have directly a female be the owner of the team. Do they have to go through an interview to get the the owner spot of of the team? Like, I, I don't know how you just get directly just a female. Yeah, true. That is, does seem kind of biased, but this whole situation is uh, built out of bias. Uh, so there needs to be a full overall to the franchise. Uh, not only the nickname, but a, a large part of things. They did kind of start the process with uh, their selections of quarterbacks. They've also done that with their new head coach. But the problem that still remains is Dan Snyder. Yes. Um, he was a guy that was completely against changing the name. Um, he said he would never change the name. And in a few years later, look what happens. They're now trying to get another name. He's a hard one to change. And that just might end up kicking him out at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, but I, I still think it's going to be pretty hard to actually get him out of being that owner. So how hard should this franchise be punished if presented as guilty? If they're presented as guilty, there's going to have to be some draft picks taken a hefty fine and maybe even let's say if the owner is involved in this, then he has to sell the team. That's, that's just what it comes down to. <laughs> but okay. let's say that he's not, then, I mean, you're just going to have that hefty fine and some draft picks taken. Yeah. And, and I, I would say kind of along the same type of lines, uh, but the reason why I asked it that way is if they would kind of seem them to be fault or at fault in that situation is because they could uh, dish this off on single people, single situations, and maybe overall, hey, y'all should have uh, kept in these reins of all these men uh, going slightly across the lines. They can also portray it that way or the other way. Um, if they actually do what I think the public will make them do. Um, I think it's going to rely on Roger Goodell to. Uh, I, I, uh, it, it's hard to say he will lose a franchise off of this, but and it's like they're already in the dirt, so it, it's just not going to help the NFL. I just don't get what could be uh, a a smart punishment for the NFL's point of view or benefit also. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard decision to make, but you got to come hard down on these teams like you do with the players. True, but if you place them at fault, you also become at fault. You mean uh, as Roger Goodell? Or? As NFL, you've, you've let this culture happen. You prob probably ignored some uh, already... Um, uh, what, what, do you, what do you call them? Uh, notices or... Um, 
uh, instances that they've reports or anything when I can't find the exact word right now, but uh, you've probably already ignored some of those from women in that franchise. So uh, if, if they say that the Redskins are guilty, that puts them in the, the headlines, which then makes the NFL guilty also. So I, I, that's one reason why I don't see them fully blaming this on the full franchise. Maybe the uh, the owner becomes the scapegoat, and that really would kind of solve things. I guess if you look at it that way, every team infraction is on the whole NFL. True. <laughs> Very true. If you look at it that way. I'm not going to take it that far. Even though, I mean, it, they could have gotten some notices and they ignored them. I, but in, in that light, every team infraction is the whole NFL's fault. Very true. That's, I think that's actually why they swept the Patriots spygate under the rug. It would have just uh, created such a a downward Rock Hill slide for what people would be mad about. Like there's bets out there. There's uh, like if they were to fully be said they were guilty about fixing these games and all of this stuff, there's a large amount of things that would affect the NFL uh, by doing that to make it short. Yeah, I think that one would affect the NFL more than this situation because it doesn't have to do with any uh, integrity to the game. So they they, they could deal with this pretty easily. I agree. They they just have to make the right step. If they don't make the right step, yes. But if they they have the ability to change this narrative and not for them to be at blame. But I I think they're going to be careful about going real hard, though. Yeah, I mean, they're going to do a thorough investigation and get down to the bottom of this. Hopefully it's not one of those situations where it's more probable than not. (laughs) I think it is a whole lot more probable than not. Just from the interviews I heard from two women uh, about them saying it was the worst time in their lives and uh, you had to know this was going on. You have women sitting at the desk crying uh, about just being belittled in front of other upper management. So I know he's a part of at least the belittling part. Now, the sexual assault part will be the thing that tips him over the scale. He's looking really bad right now, Dan Snyder. Yeah, I think he gets zero punishment for verbal abuse. Zero. If he comes up and the only thing he did was verbally abuse, I think he gets zero punishment. Um, I guess he gets the punishment in the form of the team, you know, where they get the fine and then a draft pick. I don't even think that. I don't even think they do that because it could be argued um, your worker has just said something mean. Uh, so it, it's going to I think they they would throw that into a different type of civil case, which then they don't uh, actually punish for. Well, I mean, something's going to come down. <laughs> That's yeah, all yeah, I'm saying. I, true, true. It did make uh, big headlines. So just to move it along, the NFL's top players have recently band together to blast the NFL about not having any guidelines set for training camp returning to its upcoming season. And this especially is a worry with training camp starting this week. So how big of an issue does the NFL have on its hands, especially with the players reporting to camp this week? Well, they have a huge problem because they don't have any safety guidelines or any real established guidelines like the NBA. The NBA, they took the time to set up everything, make sure they had a certain place. But, I mean, it is easier for the NBA to put themselves in one central location um, compared to the NFL. But the NFL seems like it didn't really try that hard to find ways to kind of make things more safe for the players. Now, just recently, they did say that they're going to do daily testing for the first couple of weeks of training camp and, you know, decrease if the numbers are below 5 percent, the percentage of players who test positive for it. But they have not done a good job with um, keeping up with player safety oh not at all and we haven't even actually gotten anybody in the buildings um actually some did report today um but 
I think that's probably going to be a limited amount of people. Uh, so they are clearly putting their health in jeopardy when it comes to these players. And not to think of them like that, but they should even even think at minimum at this stake that they are the cash cow. You put their health in danger, you put your money in danger. At minimum, they should at least think like that, uh, if not as a human being and caring about their well-being. But we all know owners don't really care about that. It's about the dollars. So with that in mind, I'll say the NFL has a large problem. There's zero protocol. I don't know of any discussion of a protocol. And even to have a protocol, you have to then inform everyone so that they can actually abide by it. And then who is then policing that guideline? So uh, it's it's a large problem when they're probably going to get shut down before they start up anything real. Um, I think some stuff will be thrown under under the rug because that's what the NFL kind of does sometimes. And I think that's what their plan was going into this unless somebody spoke up. Um, so, it, I mean, I think that it's a good thing that these players are stepping up and speaking out and trying to get more safety out there. Um, it, I, I think it's a... a a good change in the positive direction so they can have more of a voice like NBA players. It won't, it probably won't get to that extent, but you know, they're, they're trying to reach there. I can agree. Um, but I think it's going to be a failed experiment all the way around. They will be lucky, very lucky to make it to a, uh, an actual game with actual workouts and all of these things um, without, players getting COVID, but should the NFL be played in empty stadiums and how would it affect the experience empty or not? I think that they should play in empty stadiums. Um, I don't think from the perspective of somebody sitting on the couch is going to change because they'll, they'll mostly just see, uh, a side view of everything. I mean, we already hear the players calling out plays like the quarterbacks and all that stuff. I mean, it would just be louder. Um, But for the players, I think that's a huge difference. A lot of them feed off of the crowd. They like to celebrate whenever they get a touchdown or a first down. So it's going to affect them uh, when it comes to mentally, because they like that boost of energy from the crowd. But from the crowd, I mean, from the uh, viewer standpoint, I don't think that really changes. Yeah, I agree. Like, viewing is not much of a problem. Um, it wouldn't be much of a problem only because it's a problem with the players. Because of their attitude, their energy, and things like that. Yes, that will affect it. But only because the players will be affected. It is, it's going to be a whole lot harder. I think it's harder for these players to get up, certain players that's going to be able to get up because there is a clear different feeling between summer or training camp or even you're going 11 on 11, but it, it just doesn't feel the same without the crowd in the in the stands like every single time. I've I played football, you've played other sports. It just does not feel the same as it will with basketball. Basketball, I think it's a singular type of intensity. You just want to do different things. You can want to show off and have the same type of intensity when it comes to the basketball. Football, it takes a full crowd. It takes that, it's that feeling of that day, the, the fame, the reaction, uh, the feel of the crowd does create a, a big element for these players. Yeah, I agree. They definitely feed off of the crowd. I actually saw um, it was on Odell Beckham Jr.'s YouTube channel. He had a little sit down conversation with him, Victor Cruz, Cam Newton and Todd Gurley. And they were just saying how, uh, you know, they they feed off the crowd and just seeing those kids that makes them want to get up for it, bring more energy to the game and play even harder for them. Um, So it is going to be difficult for them. I agree because clear examples, um, Philly or Seattle with the largest, uh, like, loudest crowds. And, and that that even that effect of making you an offense drown out that they can't hear or call make calls does affect the game. 
they are a, an effect to the game. And we don't want no pumping noise into the stadium like Atlanta. I hope they ask for their uh, their penalty back if they start doing some stuff like that to the uh, NFL. But I actually think that might be the road they have to take is pump artificial crowd noise or partially real crowd noise from other bars or whatever to get that type of intensity for these players because it, it's just going to be hard to really, really get up for – it just it's different it is completely different it feels like you are doing too much when you're doing all that yelling and you're the only one doing it and intense in that way but when you have that crowd feeding you it 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 creates a whole nother type of athletic high yeah i agree that that high is addictive yeah and and it it pumps people up it makes people want to go even harder making even more moves do you think actually i think Without actually, Lamar Jackson would do that even without a crowd. But I think his that knowing the crowd's going to be ooh ah and everything else makes him want to make these moves against these players and make them fall into each other and things like that. That alone is quite gratifying. Without, of course, the money you know that comes with being in the NFL. So, how confident are you that players won't play if true concerns aren't met? Um, I'm kind of halfway on this, um, because not every player makes money like Patrick Mahomes or Carson Wentz, JJ Watt. Some of these players that are coming out and speaking, um, they really rely on that check. I mean, they're, they're really on the bubble. They, they could be one foot out the door and working at their local gas station. Um, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, I want to downplay them like that. Maybe somewhere else, some, somewhere (laughs) higher, but they some of those players they they, like they, they yeah they just can't lose out on this money um so I, i'm kind of 50 50 with this because i do want players to have more of a voice and stand up for their rights so we can get more change in the nfl and uh in, in a positive way um but then there's those players that you know they're like i i need this money i i'm waiting for this season um and they really want to prove themselves and get on a roster. So I'm I'm really 50-50 with this. I'm actually, I was going to go your route 50-50 or 40-60, something like that. But I'm, I'm rocking with 35-65. Uh, and 65 on the right, on the side of players are going to play. And definitely for the reason you were saying, for the money. There's a big disparity between the top players and the other players when it comes to the NFL simply due to numbers. NBA, it's a lower amount of numbers, lower amount of players on each team. I think max 15 players per team uh, when it comes to the NBA. So there's a less of a disparity between these top players and or even middle grade players who are still making really good checks between the people who don't matter as much about being on the court. The NBA is played by its stars. NFL is not always played by stars. It's played in by many, many, many feeling players because that is what the NFL is. So um, with that in mind, I, I say players are still going to play with the risk. It's just going to be something like uh, the movie of the replacements. Yeah, it'll be something like that. Even if, the uh, star players don't play, the NFL will find somebody else. I mean, yeah. those star players are going to come back at some point, but they'll, they'll find somebody else. I agree, but I think that's a test of water type of thing because I think these star players are really, like they did, band together when it came to Twitter. They're going to band together about not playing because these star players really, in a way, don't have to play. The ones who've managed their money somewhat right, at least that be able to do a, uh, a sit-out. Um, so I think those star players are going to sit out. I think the ones who can't can't take it and uh, the the hit to money or losing the opportunity of even being in the NFL because these star players aren't playing will actually be in the NFL. The NFL is going to, I guess, get what they want no matter what. And I think that's due to people just wanting to play in the NFL and wanting some type of money. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to agree, but man, I just hope that doesn't happen. I just hope that the NFL changes what they are doing for a positive change, for for a positive direction. True, but I, I really, 
really, really, really, really, really see it being the case of you seeing a banding of top players just sitting out and watching each Sunday and kind of testing the waters and seeing whether COVID cases start to outbreak, which then they're like, hey, we were right, we were right anyway, and we didn't risk our careers, or they get to see it, and maybe it's not that much of a problem, and now they're like, hey, I'm a little bit confident on coming back. So either way, I think a real season, if it starts on time, and these players still do play, whether COVID or not, uh, I think a real season doesn't start till week six, if they can keep it going. Yeah, I'm just going to wish for the best. Yeah, of course, of course. We we want to see sports. But um, to move along to Derrick Henry and his big signing, as it was kind of looming that he would be sitting under that franchise tag, but such a pivotal running back for the franchise of the Tennessee Titans. Well, Derrick Henry signed a $50 million four-year extension with the Tennessee Titans with $25.5 million guaranteed. So, is this contract risky at all risky for who <laughs> any at all this is at all <laughs> no yes it's not really risky um he's not even being paid as one of the highest paid running backs um i think this is kind of a i don't know a little bit above average type of contract he didn't get anything like Ezekiel Elliott. Um, he's not. He, he didn't get like uh, Christian McCaffrey. He got kind of a middle of the road, and he'll be 30 by the end of the contract. So they're they're really betting against him. They don't think that he, he's going to be able to keep that up. So this is a pretty. I, it's it's not a great contract, but it's a good contract uh, for the team. They're they don't really lose in this situation. I think he loses out some on this, just looking at the contract, because uh, most of the money is put on the back half of it. Um, he does have half of it guaranteed, but most of it is just put way far back. So if he doesn't make it that far, um, he can lose out on some of it. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. It's um it's only risky because I have one, only one argument for it being risky and only one is because a lot of premier running backs after one of their best, best seasons, they tend to drop. It's not many that back up great, great seasons with another great, great season. And that is one reason why these franchises are hesitant to play to pay running backs. So that's not only my only argument. All around, my argument is the same as yours, but the only argument I have is uh, the fact that they, when when great running backs have a great season, they don't tend to follow them up with the same type of season or better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's hard for a running back. You're getting hit on almost every single play, and you're putting your body on the line to get that great season. Then the next year, it's just hard to keep it up when you keep taking hit after hit. Yeah, completely agree. So do you think the Titans have the right core pieces to make a Super Bowl in the AFC? Um, I mean, if they do what they did similar to uh, last year, then yeah, I guess they can be a Cinderella story that they're not going to be some dominant team that is running through the league. They're going to have to go nine and seven or 10 and six like they did last year and upset some teams, you know, run the ball really well, play very good defense and keep the ball away from the other team. But this team is not really going to dominate. Okay, I definitely respect that, Um, especially in this AFC. We know Patrick Mahomes has already kind of been deified as the best quarterback ever. But we'll we'll get to that argument in uh, another day because I'm pretty sure it'll keep going up coming up but when it comes to the Tennessee Titans I say their success is it's not a trend it's a blip um their only thing I see consistent about that franchise would be Derrick Henry and that could result in anywhere between a possible six and ten season to I think max 12 and four I think max is 
ten and six. I mean, I don't really believe in Ryan <laughs> Dang, Tannehill. You didn't even give him that much, dang. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't really believe in Ryan Tannehill. He had one great season um, with, with the Titans. He was really up and down with the Dolphins. I don't know why people forget about that. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's quarterbacks that can have really good, well, one good run or a couple of good runs, but uh, they're not really franchise quarterbacks. Agreed. So it's even riskier at the quarterback spot, and they've they've locked him down for pretty much the same amount of time they're going to have Derrick Henry. So they're seeing that their route to, I'm, I'm guessing if they're thinking Super Bowl, that that is their route between those two players. I mean, they're going to need a lot more than just those two. <laughs> yeah, true, true. But they, they feel they have their core because if you locked them up for that amount of years, like I, I'm thinking the goal is to win the Super Bowl. Uh, you knew you had those franchises who just, just hope to make it to the second round of the playoffs, <coughs> the Browns. <laughs> How about just get to the playoffs? Man, you know, they was Super Bowl bound last year. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, you know, the preseason hype, <laughs> all that preseason hype and all them commercials, uh, Baker had, I mean, it was understandable. They have some pretty good talent. I, I didn't think they it was their great talent. And I, I didn't think were, it was their year season. this year, but I thought that the next year might be their year, this upcoming year. But, you know, they went backwards. I think it's that Johnny Manziel syndrome, even with Baker. Uh, everybody hopes for its success, but I don't think it's really coming. I think I definitely think uh, Oda Beckham should be gone. If anything, I think he should be in Houston. That would be a great, absolutely great place for him. He would love living in Houston along with being a part of that franchise. I don't know so much about the coach, but, yeah, definitely the uh, the quarterback and the city to get off topic. That would be a great situation for him. Well, Baker Mayfield is way better than Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel was trash. Yeah, I throw them in the same pot right now. They have just about the same amount of success. So it not is really. It is. Johnny Manziel didn't never played a full season. Oh well, then well, I guess not. <laughs> it's, it's it's still not great results. I'll just <laughs> so you're you're right, but still not great results. Um, but we're moving on to the NBA and the NBA superlatives, uh, things like rookie of the year, MVP of the year, defensive player of the year, things like that. So I'll go ahead and ask it since it will be they're going to start to put in the votes for these superlatives even though the season will start to start back up looking back at this 2020 season before the corona break who is your rookie of the year well it's been a while so um and this is actually a little bit harder than uh, before before zion started playing okay but still I'm going to go with Ja Morant. Um, I didn't watch the Grizzlies as much, but whenever I watched him play, this guy was ridiculous. I mean, trying to dunk on everybody. He was ridiculous. He should be getting more attention than Zion. I mean, Zion is always out of the game or in the game. Like, you you just don't know when he's going to play. I mean, he's a really good talent. He's nice to watch, but he's not durable. John Morant, this guy is already taking his team to the, well, close to the playoffs. Nobody expected that in the West. So I got to go with John Morant. I definitely respect that. And uh, my former, like my, my vote is John Morant also, but who may actually win. It is a whole lot closer than, than where we were discussing it before when we were discussing it a little bit before. Um, and Zion hadn't had as much experience on the court, kind of was sitting out more than half the season. He really didn't play much this uh, season. But in the time that he did play, he was quite, quite impressive. So I, this has gone from a runaway race to a very close race due to the voters. And they may use Zion's sample size to override at least one or two votes in the way of Zion. So I wouldn't be as surprised if Zion won. Throwing in the whole, you know, he's supposed to be the next phenom uh, face of the league and everything. 
And I also could see people being like, you know what, Ja really does deserve it. He was there the whole time. Even if you do give it to Ja Morant, it's more than just him just being there the whole time. He has been amazing in this season. Nobody would have expected this coming into the season. And Zion, he's just been given a throne that he has never, he he doesn't have a right to. He's been hyped up and has not been there. So Man, you, you highly can't, critical. You, you can't give it to him. You just cannot. Hey, I'm with you. I'm definitely with you. With dang. <laughs> he I'm has gotten saying. a crown that he didn't fully uh, earn. But at the same time, it's it's slightly like it, it's kind of the same thing that people said about LeBron. Uh, everybody kind of deified when he came in, but he did surpass the hype. He did play all of his games. I think I think every single one of his uh, rookie uh, games. So yeah, it's kind of close to compare. But you're you're right. I would say you're more on the side of right that he has gotten a throne that he hasn't fully earned yet. And I definitely have. I was on the route of uh, John Morant when draft came about too. So trust me, you're preaching to the choir when it comes to John Morant. I think he is a great future for the league. Um, but to move it along, uh, who do you feel is the t- defensive player of the year? Uh, that's hard. <laughs> uh, man, I, could you throw out some names? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll give you the easy ones, but I don't think you should choose them. Uh, Kawhi, um, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert. Um, I wouldn't say in Starkovich. Um, I think West, Russell Westbrook had a good defensive year. I think he did. Um, it's definitely uh, this, not a great mind year. Um, maybe like somebody in Miami, like either Jimmy Butler or Bam out of Bayou. Um, you know what? I think I know. I'm gonna go with Ben Simmons. He's he's he been. Yeah, yeah, he okay. he leads the league in steals. He's a great on-ball defender. Um, he's he really, I think he gets over-criticized because he doesn't go for the three. But this guy is very good, uh, very good at defending. Can uh, he, he's really fast. So I'm I'm gonna give it to Ben Simmons. I respect that. Um... I just don't know what a Jimmy Butler has done this year when it came to defense. So I would want to give it to him. Um, I know the league wants to give it to AD and I just haven't seen it. Maybe just cause I haven't gotten a view um, the Lakers games as much, but I just don't see, even though I think AD will be winning the defensive player of the year. Um, so if it's not somebody like Bam out of Bayou, simply just because I don't fully know the numbers or somebody like that, I, I definitely respect the Ben Simmons. That's a great, great, great choice. Um, if anything, I would lean more towards your choice, but I think the league is going to choose AD. Yeah, I guess because he campaigned for it. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what it is? You're exactly right, because <clears throat> it actually leads us to the last question about it, about these superlatives. So, does LeBron have a real shot at winning the NBA MVP? Oh, yeah. He has a huge shot at winning it. Um, before the league stopped, he was doing very well, beat the Bucks and the Clippers, you know, back to back. He was doing really well. Um, had the Lakers in the number one seed. I mean, he was carrying the team as he usually does and having a comeback season. Um, so I think he has a huge chance of winning the MVP. There's a lot of people in the media who love him and uh, they're just, you know, itching to give him the, the award. But I think Giannis just edges him out just over the the season in, in totality for what he did. I definitely respect your answer. Um, but I actually think at this point, and I'm going to explain my answer because it shouldn't be this way, but I'm gonna say I have to explain why. But I think LeBron's gonna win. Like I think it's a little bit more clear that he's going to win, not does he have a chance to win. 
And the reason why I say that is because of one clear thing you said, campaigning. Uh, LeBron's been in the public eye constantly, COVID or no COVID. Um, Giannis is slightly forgotten about. Even though he had a great season, it seems so long ago. And it seems like LeBron is still so relevant and still so in the waiting for him to unleash this type of power on the NFL. Sorry, not the NFL, but the NBA. That's just the feel, I think, overall people have about the season. We want to see what LeBron does. He, he's uh, spearheaded the, the Lakers through the West. They've been number one. Uh, he's at least in the conversation for MVP. And I think by him being current, campaigning, and in a way, uh, because people wanted to already give him a slight career-type MVP, it just it pushes over overwhelmingly for LeBron because the storyline is absolutely perfect for history and the people who make these votes. Yeah, I guess for the people who uh, give these votes, it, True. it, it, it really is a good storyline for them. Think about it. Think about it. What do you gain in any way, like storyline or uh, attention or anything, if you give it to, to Giannis? Nothing. He already, back he to already back. won. He, yeah, okay, but that's the thing. But I mean, he just adds on to his legacy, really. Yeah, but that that's a personal thing. That I don't think people people want to uh, kind of place to us a certain type of history. They may have to close the book on LeBron after this. It, it's it's a series of storylines that there is no way Giannis can beat this year. And it's largely due to LeBron being very relevant. And it's it's not that Giannis needs to be out here campaigning, but I just don't think it's going to outweigh LeBron's performance, consistency, and campaigning, along with storyline. Storyline alone is, is pushing it all the way through. It really just sounds unfair because he's just more popular. <laughs> True, but the thing about it is he actually does have a right to be in the conversation. At minimum, he actually is supposed to, like, by the real numbers, he's probably supposed to be number two. He's probably supposed to end again number two. In other years, he probably could have won number one in years that they didn't give it to him. And I think that is also another reason why these voters will give it to him, because they knew and they know even looking back that they they kept thinking we can't give it to LeBron because he's always great. We got to look at other people because when are they going to get their uh, MVPs? And now they're like, dang, we could have given him those years that he really could have got it. And now he's kind of number two, but the storyline's quite great. Let's let's close the book on this and let's be collective about giving it to LeBron because he at least partly deserves it. Um, yeah, I can say for this year, yeah, he probably deserves it. But in recent history, I can't go back and say that he should have won any MVPs. I, I think one of those Russell Westbrook or James Harden or KD years, uh, one of those, one of those four years. He was, those were LeBron. One of those were LeBron's. I don't know which one. I can't tell you right now just by viewing and knowing which year, but one of those was LeBron's. So 2014, Kevin Durant. 2017, um, Russell Westbrook. 2018, uh, James Harden. James Harden balled. And then didn't he go back-to-back? No. James Harden only has one. Who won after that? Giannis, which was last year. Oh, okay. Well, for some reason, I felt somebody had two out of that bunch. Steph Curry. He had 2015, 2016. Hmm. Oh, that's... Okay, one of those years. It was one of Steph's years, I think. Might have been one of the years. But I'm going too deep into the story. But um, I I do think LeBron has a a very, very great chance of winning the MVP. I think it's pretty much going to happen. But to... Move on with still NBA stories in the bubble in Orlando. Questions are actually coming about about what will happen in the future due to this COVID effect and bubble effect, the future of the bubble and NBA world. So who are some of the most likely players to try to form a super team from this bubble situation? Um, I'm not sure I get this question. How, how are they going to form a super team? Oh, uh, three, uh, three-person trio minimum. So, super so team you're saying 
they have to be a uh, uh, star or uh, superstar caliber to be considered. Uh, sorry, to give you a criteria of the super team, they have to be at least three of a superstar or star caliber player. So are we just getting rid of their regular team? I, I'm, I'm not getting In the future, yeah, they, when the contracts are up, what, who do you think would actually form together? Who do you think wants to be together? Who do you think uh, is a great combination that should uh, be together? Any. It's, it's kind of free range. Uh, I mean, this is a hard question. I, I'm really not sure about this one. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you I can go I, ahead and say yours. I'll, I'll lead off. Okay. So I actually think what's likely is maybe a little conversation between Giannis and uh, Jimmy Butler, as there already has been conversation about them. I think they could uh, possibly pull in one of the pl- player, I'm not sure who, to j- make a super team in Miami. I think that could be a, a great start. Um, just going down the East, I don't see nothing happening in Atlanta. They're not even in the bubble, but Toronto, I don't see anything happening there or anybody bringing somebody there. Um, as I go through the East, because it's not going to be Philly, it's, I guess, uh, Boston's supposed to be a super team, but they haven't even really developed into a super team. They're, they're star to low caliber star players. So um, just looking at just the East, I would say probably the Miami. Miami. Out of all franchises I can look at, uh, even including the West. Okay. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. Because they just have so much talent, young talent. Um, mm-hmm. You look at Zion, if he can stay on the court, he's already going to be a star. Then um, Brandon Ingram, he's really coming into his own, just made an all-star team. And then Lonzo Ball, he's great with the ball passing. Um, mm. And then they have, I think, Drew Holiday. So I, I think they're, they're, they are a super team waiting to happen. I was with you till you said Lonzo Ball. I was with you. I was really with you. He's a French <laughs> star. <laughs> a French star, exactly. And I was actually not going to give you really credit on the Brandon Ingram, but when you said he made his all-star, I was like, dang, that does qualify. All right, well, I guess you put him in the box. That's what, That's where I was. And we already kind of give that assumption to Zion. Like you said, he has a crown that he hasn't fully earned yet, but we do have to put him inside that box. He is a superstar caliber type player, franchise type player. So automatically we must put him in that box. But uh, yeah, you, you lost me when you said Lonzo ball, cause he's going to have to make, uh, do a lot of a lot in his maturation process to be a star or a superstar. And I don't, I think he's below that level. Yeah, he is below that level, but I don't think he needs to be a superstar for this to be a super team. Well, just to the, kind of throw it in there, sorry, just so I, I really didn't want like an existing team. We need an at least somebody who's on a different team because that's the whole thing. You know, people joining the super team because they got to have conversations and they got to be around each other. So now they are grouping together to make a decision together. So I would think I would want at least one person from another team to be included in that uh, New Orleans theory. Well, personally, I don't want any super teams. Um, so I guess I'll go with yours. So, I, I mean, I, I really don't care for a super team. Uh, true. Very true. Very true. Um, if I wanted to, I guess, pull somebody who might be a good fit for Brandon Ingram and Zion. Hmm, it's probably got to be somebody small. Somebody who can work the point. Mm. I, could you see Damian Lillard going down there? No. I, I, I don't think he wants to leave, but that, it's just because he don't want to leave. But I, I'm trying to think of like a premier power uh, point guard who could fit for them. I don't think they need anybody else. <laughs> so they win the championships as as is. <laughs> I mean, they might need a center, maybe, but I think they have the perfect point guard that doesn't want to shoot. They already okay. have two people who can shoot. So another Rondo? What? <laughs> I'm talking about they, they already have, uh, what's his name? Um, Lonzo Ball. JJ. Oh, you're talking about Lonzo. Lonzo and JJ Reddick. I thought you were talking about JJ Reddick. No. But, he, uh, he's not even in the picture. I'm not even thinking about him. 
Oh, wow, man. I I don't know. I, I just, I know I'm kind of out there in this, with this question, but I feel like there's somebody, maybe even uh, your boy from uh, Phoenix, Devin, Devin Booker. Not Devin Booker. He shoots too one. much. I, no, no. I, not, you, what's you, a you don't, guy? You, you can't, you can't need it. You don't what need a shooter. Devin Booker, right? Yeah, what, but you don't need a shooter. Why not? Because you think, they, I think they, they need the ball in their hands? Yeah. You just create another problem. I guess. You need a facilitator. But, you know, this is all speculation. Um, as we may see this form after this summer, or whatever you want to call this um, restart to the NBA. But with our last subject, there is going to be no baseball in Canada, at least when it comes to the MLB. And the Blue Jays are a team that are is home in Toronto, Canada. Now, this is due to Canada saying there are no exceptions for Americans uh, coming into Canada. And they're pretty unified about even once the MLB starts back that they will not be allowed back into the country to uh, to do these games. So can the MLB operate at a full fairness level without home games for this Canadian team? Well, I mean, they are not playing with any crowds, to my knowledge. So I guess it, it, it shouldn't be a problem. They should be fine. Nobody else is playing with a crowd. Um, they have all of their team, from, what, from my knowledge. So that there shouldn't be a problem with this. They should be fine. Sure. I think it's just about comfort. It's all about comfort. That's about it. Um, and how comfortable can you be when it's going to be cold as balls in Canada anyway? So I, I actually have to completely agree with you. Like, it shouldn't be a problem for the MLB, but it will be a problem because the players are going to make it a problem. And the fans who they're going to they're gonna make it a problem too. So I don't think there is a way that the MLB can really win, even though it's not their choice when it comes to Canada. Canada's not going to take the blame. The MLB in this case, even though it's not really anything they could have done from being banned. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's they, they're just going to have to Check it out. Settle, them, <laughs> settle themselves and just, yeah, just take the L. Yeah. As they more than likely will. But uh, uh, no corona cases in the bubble for the NBA. Is this a good sign for other professional sports like baseball to carry out a full season? It's, yes, I, I think it's a good sign, but only if they follow what the NBA did. Um, I don't know how you're going to do that with the NFL. That's just very hard. Um, you can't fit multiple football fields in one place um baseball soccer all these other sports yeah you can easily do that um they, they don't need a whole bunch of space i think football is the one who is the odd man out they they're just gonna have to manage and test i don't know every day every other day like they were saying yeah um I don't think it'd be a, such a much of a problem once baseball gets into play because they're already six feet distance. Uh, it's rare they're very close to each other. When maybe two players might be close to each other, and even before that, they should have been tested. So it seems like baseball might be good to go uh, as long as they can cut down on the possibility of somebody catching it and spreading it. Uh, as long as there's no large outbreaks, they can isolate and then continue a season without such player. So I do think that's a good sign for these other sports. Uh, there's plenty of sports that actually will be able to uh, go back to play, whether it be golf, tennis. Um, there's multiple things that can still um, still be good to go with the way COVID is going to be, but NFL will be the last man out as I do not think it's possible to avoid uh, the spread as it will happen uh, for the NFL. I I just think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. A lot of these guys are in close quarters and they're tackling each other on every single play. Um, It's just going to be difficult, but, I think the NFL will find some type of way to, to sweep some of this stuff under the rug and continue with the season. 
True. I, I do, but I think they're they're going to deal with fairness issues. Uh, everybody has to wear gloves. Everybody has to wear shields. Uh, we got to form some type of mouth-like uh, restriction that does not spread spit. And even with all of that, I really don't think that these they're going to not spread the, the virus as you tackle each other and you sit in pals. That's the whole game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's just going to be really tough. Yes. Uh, but that ends it, and we will be giving you some great updates as the NBA will be returning very soon on July 30th, and this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Uh, the last part, like normal questions, uh, Muhammad comes up with the questions. I try to answer them and give you a little information on what I do know about them. So, Muhammad, go ahead with the first question. What team holds the record for the most consecutive NBA titles? A, Boston Celtics, B, Los Angeles Lakers, or C, Chicago Bulls? I think this is uh, quite easy, um, actually, but um, I'll entertain the possibility. Lakers has a whole lot of championships. Celtics has a lot of championships. And we clearly know the Bulls have six with uh, Michael Jordan. So I'll just let you repeat the question and answer. What team holds the record for the most consecutive NBA titles? A, Boston Celtics. B, Los Angeles Lakers, or C, Chicago Bulls? I think it's easy because just because I know the history, it's going to be the Boston, uh, Boston Celtics, and I don't think the Lakers had a runoff. But I definitely know the Celtics. They ran off a lot of championships. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, number two, who was the winner of the 2018 NBA Slam Dunk Contest? A, Aaron Gordon, B, Donovan Mitchell, or C, Zach Levine? And this was when again? 2018. Oh, 18. Okay. All right. Uh, I guess one more time with the question and answer. Who was the winner of the 2018 NBA Slam Dunk Contest? A, Aaron Gordon, B, Donovan Mitchell, or C, Zach Levine. All right, so we know uh, Gordon, he didn't win because he he definitely got robbed the second time. But as we think, he's had some of the most amazing dunks in the dunk contest, but he has not won a dunk contest. So we're going to go ahead and count out Aaron Gordon. Um, giant highway robbery. But I would say it wasn't Donovan Mitchell, so it's going to be uh, – what's the last last name you said? Zach Levine? Yeah, it's Zach Levine. I already really knew, but even process of elimination. That's wrong. It's Donovan Mitchell. What? Donovan Mitchell yep. won? Yep. He he won a slam dunk contest. What? <laughs> Go look what it up. I? I remember him partially being in it, but I don't remember him winning. God yep. dang. He won. Wow. Okay, yeah, you surprised me on that one. Go ahead with the last question. Which of the following quarterbacks has the most career wins? A, Drew Brees, B, Ben Roethlisberger, or C, Philip Rivers? I wouldn't guess it was Philip Rivers at all, but I'm not even going to try to guess that one because I don't think he's gotten far enough. And this includes the playoffs, right? Yes. Okay. So total career wins. I'm definitely not thinking it's going to be uh, Drew. I'm mean, not uh, Drew Brees, but uh, for the Rivers, I actually think it's Ben, but I'm not exactly sure. So go ahead one more time with the question and the answer. Which of the following quarterbacks has the most career wins? A. Drew Brees. B. Ben Roethlisberger. Or C. Philip Rivers. I definitely think it's been Roethlisberger because I'm not finishing to put an answer here, but uh, Drew Brees, the Saints had their sucky years. They've been good for like the past, what, maybe three to four, maybe five. I, maybe I give them five years. They've been good, but they've had their sucky years. And he also had his sucky years when he was in San Diego. So I, I just don't think it's Drew Brees. Um, ben Roethlisberger has been a part of a franchise that constantly puts up about 10 wins a season. Uh, so I, I'm definitely going to go with Ben Roethlisberger. 
That's wrong. It's Drew what? Brees. <laughs> oh my God! A confident, but not follow through. But go ahead. <laughs> Any explanation? So, Drew Brees has 163. Big Ben 144. And Philip Rivers 123. So, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, he misses a lot of games. He just missed yeah. last year. True, very true. But I just Brees doesn't. I just thought off the odds that the Steelers tend to win uh, their games throughout the season, and uh, Drew Brees has not always been a part of the greatest teams. That it would be different, but hey, hey, I assumed. I lost, <laughs> but this has been <laughs> So You Think You Know Sports. See you next week.